0: Support for today's podcast episode is brought to you by RX bar and for 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com forward slash elevator and enter the promo code elevator at checkout recovery elevator episode 190.
1: My hangovers would last days and days and days and the anxieties that would come with it. I was just like, wow, like this is getting bad.
0: Welcome to the recovery elevator podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. We've got Jamie. She's 39 years old from Alberta, Canada, and has been sober for 93 days before we get any further. Let's hear from my favorite resource in recovery cafe re most important thing I've learned while doing the recovery elevator podcast is we can't do this alone. Believe me. I tried for over two years and it didn't work. So here's the good news. With Cafe RE, you get access to a confidential and unsearchable Facebook group, which is capped at 300 members to ensure intimacy. Then you get access to the Cafe RE forum outside of Facebook, which means you don't need a Facebook account to be part of Cafe RE. Both are private and only members can see who is in the groups and what is said. In the forum and Facebook group, you get instant accountability and genuine connection with others who also wish to lead a life without alcohol. In Cafe RE, you'll find that being sober is a tremendous opportunity and not a sacrifice. For just $19 a month, you too can join the conversation. You can be paired with an accountability partner, attend educational online webinars, online meetups, attend in-person meetups and retreats, participate in book club, movie club, and more. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code opportunity to waive this setup fee. I hope to see you there. Guys, I am getting all the final details squared away for the Recovery Elevator Social in Nashville, Tennessee. This is February 22nd to the 24th, so registration should be open on the recoveryelevator.com website in about three to four weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun. We did this the previous year in Dallas, and it was a blast. Okay, let's get started. Today, I'd like to discuss an article recently published by CNN titled, No Amount of Alcohol is Safe for Your Overall Health. The link to this article can be found in the show notes for Recovery Elevator episode 190. Thank you, Mike Knoll out in Hong Kong for doing the show notes. You do a great job as always. So this article said, if you're one of the one-third of all humankind who drinks alcohol, take note, there's no amount of liquor, wine, or beer that is safe for your overall health, according to a new analysis of 2016 Global Alcohol Consumption and Disease Risk. And to CNN, I have to say this. Thank you. No, seriously, thank you. Even though this isn't exactly earth-shattering news, in fact, I think every single one of my listeners is already in possession of this invaluable information, but I wanna say thank you for breaking the cycle. If I see one more article in my newsfeed about yoga and wine, Pilates, and mimosas, I'm gonna barf. So thank you CNN for going against the grain in today's modern reporting culture. Even though this isn't breaking news and deep down we already know this information, let's see what the article has to say alcohol was the leading risk factor for disease and premature death in men and women between the ages of 15 and 49 worldwide in 2016 accounting for nearly 1 in 10 deaths according to the study published in the journal the lancet for all ages alcohol was associated with 2.8 million deaths in 2016 worldwide well what about small amounts of alcohol the most surprising finding was that even small amounts of alcohol use contribute to health loss globally said senior study author Gaikido. We're used to hearing that a drink or two a day is fine, but the evidence, well, it's the evidence, and it's clear. So I guess this means wine with yoga defeats the purpose. Yes, it does. Where does the U.S. stack up in this mess? Not surprisingly, due to their large populations, China, India, and Russia led the world in the total number of alcohol-related deaths in men and women. The U.S. ranked fifth among men and seventh among women on that list. The U.K. ranked 21st for men and ninth for women. Shortly, I'll talk about how I pulled this study off, but let's see how they pulled this study off. The Lancet study, funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, used data from the 2016 Global Burden of Disease Report, which captured information on premature death and disability from over 300 diseases by sex and age in 195 countries or territories between 1990 and 2016. Researchers analyzed the impact of alcohol on 23 health conditions and alcohol-related risks on people between the ages of 15 and 95 for the entire year of 2016. What did they find? Well, Robert Burton called the study state-of-the-art. The conclusions of the study are clear and unambiguous. Alcohol is a colossal global health issue, Burton wrote, suggesting that policymakers put a priority on programs that focus on decreasing alcohol consumption. Nice. Let's go ahead and cue music. Case closed. Roll the credits. All parties have added their input. Wait a second. What does Big Alcohol have to say on the matter? The Alcohol Information Partnership, a group comprising of eight of the world's biggest liquor companies, that sounds terrifying, said in a statement that nothing in this study challenges the array of studies suggesting that choosing to drink moderately is associated with a decreased risk of some health issues and a lowered risk of death. I'm hoping they aren't referring to the scandalous study where the NIAAA, a government body dedicated to helping people like you and me, which stands for the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, partnered with Big Alcohol to prove that modern drinking is safe. Yes, this is true, and I cover it in episode 167. What else did the study find? Globally, the study found that about 2.4 billion people drink alcohol, roughly one-third of the population. So not everyone is Kung Fu fighting. Of the 7.4 billion people on the planet, 25% of drinkers are women who consume an average of 0.73 drinks per day. 39% are men who drink an average of 1.7 drinks per day. 1.7 drinks. How Do they do it? So are there any benefits from drinking? Well, some, but potential benefits are outweighed by overall risk. The results appear to fly in the face of research that indicates moderate drinking in the United States, that's one drink a day for women and two a day for men might reduce the risk of heart disease and type two diabetes. That might be true in isolation. One researcher said, but the picture changes when all risks are considered. Researchers have found some protective effects for type 2 diabetes and the ischemic heart disease at low levels of alcohol Consumptions, but those benefits are outweighed by the overall adverse health impact of alcohol even at moderate levels So what's the conclusion of this article the take-home message being that people shouldn't drink under the belief that it will lower their risk of disease one researcher says and those of us who opt to drink should minimize our intake if we wish to prolong our life and well-being and those of us listening to this podcast are going to take a one step further and just avoid the noise. So, that's the article. My personal experience is I've spent thousands of hours in the field performing my own tests, often double blind in a blackout, and I've reached the same conclusion the Lancet study did. However, my findings are less eloquently stated with alcohol is still shit. And before we hear from Jamie, let's hear from today's sponsor, RX Bar. RX Bar wants to build things the right way. RX Bar believes in the power of transparency and lets the core ingredients do all the talking with all of them listed on the front of the packaging. RX Bars are great for a number of occasions. This could be breakfast on the go, tossing your backpack for a bike ride or hike, pre or post-workout snack. RX Bar comes in 14 delicious flavors and here's a couple. Mango pineapple, chocolate hazelnut, peanut butter and berries, chocolate sea salt, which is my favorite, coconut chocolate, mixed berry, and seasonal flavors also. When this podcast episode comes out, I'm going to be on the plane headed towards Peru for the Recovery Elevator Retreat. And you can bet your pumpkins that I've got a bunch of RX Bars packed inside my bag that I'm going to snack on on the Inca Trail in Peru. And now, RX Bar has debuted a RX Nut Butter, which contains a few simpler and similar ingredients like egg whites, fruits, and nuts. Each single-serve packet contains delicious, creamy nut butter with 9 grams of high-quality protein. It's squeezable and spreadable and pairs great with fruit, rice cakes, pretzels, or straight out of the pouch. And right now, my listeners can get 25% off their first order. Visit rxbar.com forward slash elevator and enter the promo code elevator at checkout. Again, for 25% off your first order, visit rxbar.com forward slash elevator, enter the promo code elevator at checkout. Jamie, how are you?
1: Good. How are you doing?
0: Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Jamie, let's get right into this. How long have you been sober?
1: Uh, 93 days today.
0: Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, fantastic. And before we get any further, give listeners a little background about yourself, maybe where you're from, what you do for a living, your age, and what do you like to do for fun, Jamie?
1: Well, I'm 39 years old. I'll be turning 40 here pretty soon.
0: I work in the school
1: system in southern Alberta, Canada. I also teach fitness. And I am not married, but I have two children, both boys, 17 and 19, a dog, two cats, and I'm just kind of learning what I'm doing for fun. I just bought a bike. I've been walking my dog lots and just kind of starting to rediscover like the childhood activities, like, you know, simple stuff, art, outside stuff, like just learning, I guess, is probably the best way to put
0: it you know what bike (laughs) art walks outside i'm seeing this trend continue to happen in my sobriety it's almost like it's a back to the basics
1: yeah absolutely like i'm i'm kind of I don't want to say worried but i'm interested to see what's going to happen in the winter when it's like freezing outside like what are we going to do then
0: (laughs) yeah and i don't want to say back to the basics and like a like a boring mundane type of statement it's back to the basics like i'm still getting more and more enjoyment out of the basic stuff which is so awesome yeah 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 And, and jamie give listeners a little background about your drinking if you could describe your drinking habits when did it start? Did you ever attempt to regulate? When did you feel like you no longer had control? Take some time to get us up to speed on the story. If you could please include dates, you know, how old were you, and, and take it away.
1: Oh, okay. So, I mean, I started drinking when I was 12 years old, and it just kind of became one of those things. And right away off the bat, it was to socialize with people, to like fit in, to to be a part of the the group and to be with the bad kids, right? Like that was what was exciting for me. And just, it, it's always been a part of my nature to live on that to live on that wild side of things, right? I'm a bright red box in, 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 the, sure. <laughs> in the box I of a bright red crayon in, in that box of pastels. And I always have been just kind of gravitated towards that. But then, you know, as it got going on, I mean, it was all the time and then it started to progress into high school, right? But I, I wanna say it really took a turn when I was when I turned eighteen, right? Like when we were allowed I mean, we can we can drink legally here at eighteen years old. So it was every single night we're in the bars and it was different theme nights and mm-hmm. it was like it was just what we did. That's just what we do and that's just who you hung out with and that's just what you do, right? It's exciting and all the all the cool things that, that came with it. And then, yeah, I ended up getting married and having a kid, and then, you know, things kind of settled down there, except when, I, I don't know, I think it's when there's no responsibilities, right? So if the kids were the babysitter, kids with the grandparents, it's like, go time. It was go time. And then our family faced a tragedy when the boys were two and four. My husband had passed away in a car accident, and then so it was just kind of... Thanks. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking 15 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. And the first couple of years were like, holy, (laughs) it was go time. Like, the boys were always well taken care of. Sounds like
0: it was go time all the time.
1: It was go time all the time. And then there was a reason for it. (laughs) No no kidding. (laughs) Yeah. A reason for it. So, yeah, some people have to search far, far
0: for the why, but your why was pretty clear.
1: I think so. And I mean, uh, the the most important thing for me was to, to make sure that the boys were good and, and they were always well taken care of. And I, I don't know, I, I had it all together. I was going to college. I was going to university. The kids were fed. Everything was managed, really managed, unless the, you know, when the boys would go away to their grandparents or that that's when shit would hit the fan. You know what I mean? Like that's when it was I got nobody to be accountable for. So I'm just going to go on a tear and I certainly did for years and years and then eventually I got into another relationship and which was very similar he he was very similar in drinking as the way I was too right and yeah so we started to to have drinks together and that's kind of how the relationship formed and then as it kept going and going and going like nothing was changing so eventually that relationship ended. But just in, in the the last relationship I had, it lasted three years, long distance. He was a normal drinker. And at that point, I mean, I knew that alcohol was a problem for me, just in the fact that like it was hitting me like bad. It was my hangovers would last days and days and days and the anxieties that would come with it. I was just like, wow, like this is getting bad. But it was, you know, with the crowd of people that you're with, it's all just normalized, right? And, I mean, even now that I'm out of it, it's still, now I can see it. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. It makes total sense. Yeah. And, yeah, and like, when was that oh, relationship, you you, you mentioned you're, you're kind of going at it hard, or you're with a normal drinker. You ended that relationship, the three-year relationship, and then you're with the normal drinker. When was this? You're 39 years old now. When was this?
1: I started that when I was 35, and because it was long distance, basically, I still could, like, do whatever I want, right? Like, he's he's not here, so I'm going to go out for drinks, baby. I'll talk to you later, da-da-da. But then I wouldn't give the text or phone calls. I wouldn't be in communication because now the wheels are off, and I'm doing my thing, (laughs) right? So, I mean, the communication, there, there was none because Jamie's doing her thing, and it's a very selfish disease, right? so it was all about me and so eventually the fighting became too much and instead of me really acknowledging what i was doing to him it was me just saying oh my god like he's drama king and oh my god like i can't handle this and oh he's such a baby man child right like i put that blame on him sure yeah <laughs> right and then eventually i let him go cuz it got too hard i was like you know what i i don't this isn't working i'm done and holy that was like uh may of last year in 2017 and because i work in a school system i had a month to go and then i had six weeks off now if i'm learning anything it's that one of my main triggers is no work the next day and no accountability
0: sounds like you had six weeks of planned professional go time
1: absolutely i did yeah it was a summer of 150 percent self-destruction it was it was pretty bad, and I you know I used to joke that I remember joking like every summer that I've been in this position, at this school, I would always joke towards the end of of August saying like oh work spelled backwards equals rehab. Thank God I go back to work.
0: <laughs> That's funny. <laughs>
1: It's funny, but, you know, looking back, like, that's so not funny. Like, that should have been maybe uh, you might be an alcoholic. <laughs>
0: oh, totally. If If you're but. looking forward to work to end your binge, you might be an alcoholic. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so tell us yeah. more about this summer of destruction, 150% go time. What happened? Was there a rock bottom moment in there? You know, your sobriety date is ninety three days ago, which I think puts us at, at you know, May of two thousand eighteen. It's about a year ago. Yeah, walk us through the last year. What happened?
1: Oh, the last year was just it was just insane. Like I said, it was just. I mean, I, I'm fortunate enough to have so many different communities and circles of friends. I was born and raised in this in this community, so I mean, if there wasn't one person to drink with, there'd be. 17 more. You know what I mean? I and just because I have the summer off, it doesn't mean everybody else does, but you're almost guaranteed to have one person to have drinks with every day. And because it's so busy throughout the school year, you don't get to catch up with people that often. So everybody wants to hang out and everybody wants to have drinks. And I was totally game for it. And so, you know, there, it was not uncommon for me to have drinks like, and just get stupid wasted three, four or five days in a row. in a row. (laughs) So I thought, wow, I should probably start keeping track of this stuff and, like, the things that I'm doing so that I remember at least a little bit of my summer. So I would write on the calendar who I drank with, what happened that night, just so that I could, like, keep track when somebody asks me, like, what would you do this summer?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's another you-might-be-an-alcoholic-if line. (laughs) 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 Got a couple good ones so far.
1: I know. (laughs) I know. And, yeah, so when I look back on on the summer like September came and it was time to go back to work and I was out of six weeks I had 38 days of blackout days
0: according to your summer Um, 2017 memory calendar which was tracking the lack of memories ironically
1: yeah (laughs) yeah and so everything in between there was all recovering from those days sure so i thought okay i'm just gonna I'm just gonna like tone it down a little bit. Thank God for work and I started We have what's called bikini boot camps at the gym that I work at, and there are these fitness challenges that continue on for eight weeks consecutive, and part of that is clean eating, working out five days a week, five to six days a week, uh-huh. and no drinking in sure. fact, number one is no alcohol and and I was like, okay, I'll join the bikini boot camp. Okay, I got this, I, right? I can, I'll just quit everything. And that was starting in uh, the middle of September. So I white knuckled that. Oh boy. And I lasted two weeks and then, you know, I fell off for sure. And then everything falls off. And then it was like, okay, well, Christmas is coming at that point. Well, I've got two weeks off of work. And my children were going away to their grandparents again for the those holidays so with that I don't remember Christmas Day I don't remember New Year's Eve I mean it's it was just it's an invitation to wreak absolute havoc on myself and it's just the way it is and then it was like okay I'm gonna do dry January so had a you know your last final hurrah New Year's Eve dry January hits I lost 23 days then it was okay I'm gonna come back on February I'm not gonna drink beer I'm not going to drink beer in February and everything else I can drink. And I did. And then I thought, wow, I really need to get away. It's, this, is, this is stress. This is my friends. This is everything else. And so I booked a vacation. Okay. And I thought I'm going to go away. Where'd you go? <laughs> An
0: all-inclusive <laughs> resort in what country? <laughs> Where'd you go? <laughs>
1: My plan was I'm gonna go and I downloaded eight books on my e reader. I purchased an e-reader just for that vacation. I'm gonna download books I packed. I purposely planned at a resort where they do yoga every day, where they do the activities, fitness Uh, activities that I like to do. Yep. I had my gym clothes I had everything packed, I everything and it oh my god, Paul, twenty minutes in I cracked a beer as soon as I got in my hotel room. I went by myself, so I was a little nervous. As soon as I went down left my room. I actually, I met some people right off the bat. First night was a blackout drunk and I did not stop until I got onto the shuttle bus from the resort back to the airport. And I cried the whole way home. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. The whole way home, like thinking, what the fuck? Right. Like I I had it all. And, you know, the money and the time and the plans. And it was like, why can't I just like why? Then it was okay. I'm back April 30th. I'm going to do this boot camp again. (laughs) <laughs> this time i got to quit smoking too because Ooh, i wow. promised. A, yeah yeah i had made a pact with my kids 3 years before that i would quit smoking before i was 40 and i knew that like it's right away so i thought i'd get a good head start so april 30th was it i mean I quit smoking drinking eating everything bad and i'm just going to get it together so may 12th <laughs> yep.
0: sorry i'm i'm, I'm laughing I, before we get to may 12th I I just want to make sure I got this right, and I want to summarize this for listeners because there's a question that I ask people is, is you know, did, Can you tell us attempts to moderate your drinking, attempts to quit? And it sounds like you, know, you were seeing the red flags, which is awesome. But this is what I have without even asking that question, and I'm sure we can add more layers to this cake, is at the end of 2017, you looked at work like, oh, my God, you were excited. Your six-week vacation was over because work was going to sober you up. And then after that, you had the bikini bod. And then you tried January, mm-hmm. which lasted 23 days, which is actually pretty impressive. Nice job. And then you did only <laughs> beer February, which is impressive. Again, nice job. And then you booked a sober vacation which lasted twenty minutes, blacked out the first night, cried on the shuttle ride home, and then we got April thirtieth, we got the boot camp coming up. Not only to quit alcohol, you're doubling down, you're tripling down, you're going food, cigarettes, and alcohol. And Jamie, my heart's with you because I've been there. Girl, I've been there too. Like it's just and we haven't even hit May yet.
1: <laughs> no.
0: Oh my God. Like I'm I'm just like I, I I'm, there's 93 days sober but look at all that weight we just like expelled because i know it's i know we're in a better spot now but that was hard to say and i'm sure it was hard to live through and i've been there and you're in the right spot jamie keep going
1: yeah yeah Oof.
0: okay Definitely. let's move forward
1: yeah well P- pick
0: up where we left off in may <laughs>
1: In December, when I had the idea of dry January coming, because I, you know, because like throughout all of these blackouts and binges and all of that, I'm hurting people all over the place. I'm doing things I don't want to do with people I don't want to do with, you know, that guilt, shame, remorse, all of that shit, like just. Ugh, waking up and you know in tears and hurting and all of that stuff and I was like okay I just need to make goals and so I discovered bullet journaling last year and uh, so
0: let me add I that mean, to my list real it's quick
1: big, <laughs> it, it's like a day timer that you create so that it fits your needs okay what does that um, just look
0: like a like a blank eight and a half by 11 paper piece of paper
1: <laughs> no well it's graph it's like squares or it's like dotted Dotted journals
0: that you like—it's like a big thing on
1: Pinterest, anyways—and you tailor it. So you put in your dates, you put in whatever. It could be your bucket list, it could be, you know, your financials. But I decided, like, I had a whole slew of goals in my head of what I needed to do. And in fact, I did go to see Tony Robbins in in December as well. And I was jazzed. I was pumped. I was like, I'm—I know exactly what I need to do. But I need to organize my goals here so I did that and I created this bullet journal that was divided into goals that had categories of body mind spirits and I was like you know checking off a habit tracker every day and like okay did you read your chapter a day did you eat right like you know I was trying to keep it in check and I was doing really good until Fridays <laughs> every single weekend I was like bah. so yeah going back to you know this April 30th I was in it, and I was like, okay, I'm on, I got this. And May 12th came, and I was at work, and somebody had suggested, let's go to this restaurant, let's go have some poutine for lunch. And I was like, oh, I'd love to have some poutine. Let's go do it, (laughs) right? Fuck it, let's go eat poutine. (laughs) And so then the guy that I was seeing, uh, we were talking that night, and he said, He said, how was your day? I said, oh, it was pretty good. Like, I cracked, I ate poutine. He was like, "Well, you might as well come over and have a drink then. I mean, you already ruined it. What's a drink? I was like, yeah, I was kind of thinking the same thing.
0: compelling argument.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Compelling (laughs) argument. One drink. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, the next thing you know, I wake up, and I'm, like, devastated. And I'm still wasted. And it's noon. And I'm in tears. And I'm in shit. And I'm, like... Oh man, like it was a horrific morning. The things that I did the night before, the things I said, the just, it, just bad. And so basically ruined that relationship. And then I was talking to a girlfriend who happened to go to the same gym that I did. And in, back in November of 2017, she had offered to me, like, hey, I, we were sitting, we were in plank is what was happening. And she said, hey, you ever been to see Bad Moms, the, that movie? Mm-hmm. And I was like, no. And so we started hanging out, but then I learned quickly that she didn't drink. And so I learned quickly that I did not want to hang out with her. <laughs>
0: <Right>? Okay. Sure.
1: <laughs> like, what are we gonna do, right? <laughs> what are we gonna
0: do? So, let's drill um, that statement real quick, though. We just mentioned yeah. like 19 items, bucket list items that we're gonna help you quit drinking. You find somebody who doesn't drink, and the addiction in your brain's like, oh no, I don't want to hang out with this person. Does that how? Does that sound yeah. okay? Yeah. It's just it's weird. And I've been there. I've been in that situation, too. It's weird how it doesn't make sense. But, it right. makes
1: no sense.
0: Yeah. Right, keep yeah, it, going. it
1: makes no sense. So, yeah. So I got back from, you know, this weekend of just awfulness. And I called her up. And I was like, oh, you wouldn't believe what happened this weekend. And I told her about it. And she said, you know what? You need to go see this this one guy. It was a counselor in town. And I had been through. I've been going to counseling off and on since. My husband had passed away just off and on throughout the years. And, you know, with a big focus on mindfulness and stress reduction and just being in the moment and, you know, yada, yada, you, you know, all that stuff to quiet your mind and is great. But, but uh, this <laughs> here one, it in, comes. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was just, I don't know. At one, the last session that her and I had, she had asked me if I thought that maybe alcohol was an issue. And I was like, no, it's the other stuff. You know, it's everything else but... And so anyways, my girlfriend, she said, you should probably see this one guy. He is the addictions counselor teacher at the college that we have here. But he's an amazing private counselor. And I thought maybe he'll have a little bit of understanding of what's going on. So I went and I seen him. (laughs) And I mean, first session, he I mean, I brought him my gold journal, like the bullet journal that I made and I'm telling them all of this and I'm just saying like I don't know why this is so hard for me to do why can't I stick to these goals I mean I I know what I want but I keep setting myself
0: back hang on when you say stick to these goals it. was there only yeah. when you cause goals right there comes a time when there's only one goal and that's to quit drinking and and then you can like we like we I had no chance of attaining any goals unless I didn't do the one goal were you up front with his counselor, I'm pretty sure he was able to like dive below the layers of BS that I, that I personally gave to my counselors at the time. But did you tell him the one goal or what happened there?
1: I didn't know. I really, I didn't want to stop drinking. I wanted to be able to go and trust myself when I did go out to drink that I wouldn't fuck up my whole night and lose control. Okay. I wanted to moderate. I wanted to like just not hurt people. And I just wanted to, I wanted it all, if that makes sense.
0: you're Yeah, you're talking, talking to a guy who tried that about 400 times. Yes. Yeah. It makes just, perfect sense. <laughs> and what did the counselor say?
1: He was like, I showed him the journal, and I said, see, I'm on the right track. Like, see, like, why can't I do this? And he put it in his lap, and he looked at me with the most endearing, like, you poor thing look on his face, but it was so, like, genuine and compassionate and he was like you how did he put it he was just like you poor thing Like, it is not a wonder that you're so exhausted and I'm like yeah so tell me what to do hey, Jamie. <laughs> and he was like, you're yeah
0: me and your counselor we had that same look on our face when I when I read <laughs> the work the bikini bod dry January uh, only beer in February vacation. The twenty minutes of sobriety on vacation. April thirtieth boot camp. May twelfth. Like we both had that same look on our face. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. That's I a lot to go through. Wanna... I mean. It it was a lot. I mean, within one session, I was I left there. He mentioned the word alcoholic, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not. I got this. Like I can keep my shit together. Look.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> I got this. Hmm. We've heard about those words on those three words on this podcast.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it was just ridiculous. And I mean, that word was so hard to swallow. And I left there and it happened to be that that weekend. So this was like three days later. So that was May long weekend for us. This girlfriend that I was t- that that brought me to this guy, her and I had planned to go away for a weekend, Central Alberta. And it was close to a treatment center that is featured lots on the show Intervention mm-hmm. the Top of the World Ranch and we were going there we were going close to there to go and stay at her parents cabin and she said you know what I'm going to be going to a meeting on Friday do you want to come and I was like at the Top of the World Ranch yeah I'd love like cause I, I
0: what kind I, of meeting I, is it
1: <laughs> yeah like, what are we doing cool <laughs> and she said, it's it's an AA meeting. And I was like, wow. <laughs> but you know what? I knew. I knew. After the counselor's appointment and everything else, he, you know, he put it into a really great metaphor. And he said, can you imagine if you're dating this guy and you go out and you get ready and you get beautiful for him and you're like, we're going to have an amazing night and you go And you're sitting there and you're having, you know, your drinks and everything. It's a great night. And then all of a sudden he makes you do, you know, he he starts to control you a little bit and starts telling you what to do. And then full out by the end of the night, you're doing things that you don't want to be doing. And you come home and he beats the living shit out of you. Like, what would you tell your friends if they were in a relationship like that? And I was like, oh, God, I said, there's no way I would let. No, I wouldn't even be in a relationship like that. And he said, well, how is that any different than what alcohol is doing to you? And it that slammed me right in the face. When he explained it to me like that, I was like, holy shit. And he says, you have a really bad relationship with alcohol.
0: Yeah, you were already and in so, that relationship.
1: Yeah. And it, I mean, the way that he explained it to me that way, I mean, you know when you know. You know when you know. I knew. But I needed, I needed it, that mirror to be put in front of my face instead of dancing around it and like, well, maybe, or denying it for as many years as I did. And this has been going on forever.
0: So how'd so. you do it? How'd you do it?
1: Uh, well, I went to the meeting. <laughs> and as soon as I got there, I felt really uncomfortable. But it was an alumni meeting. So all of the people who had graduated from this treatment facility Flew in from all over the country and wow. to, to be at this meeting, right? And it was a speaker meeting, so I mean, there was some pretty big deal milestones being had. Lots of one years. I think there was seventeen people celebrating their one year, and I mean, just listening to them talk, I, I could not stop crying. I was like, oh my god, I belong here. Oh no, <laughs> I was like, it was it was a sense of relief, but fear, but acceptance, but relief. Like, all the answers just flooded my brain. And, like, I just knew that right there, my life was going to change forever. It was just, holy
0: shit. So, Jamie, (laughs) you mentioned earlier, and these are two different things. When you know, you know, that's one thing. Yeah. But then when you're ready, you're ready. And those two don't necessarily always line up within such a short time frame that yours did. And I think that's so cool. When, when, you know, sometimes you get a moment of clarity, the counselor, he's a good one. Nice, nice job, you know, and and you, 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 there's probably some more records waiting for you if you hadn't met with that counselor, but you know, you know, and you know, and and you're ready to get started. And that's so cool. So tell us what happened after that meeting.
1: Well, after that meeting, so like one of the things I thought about, I had thought about AA before, but because of my yeah. It's the profession, the embarrassment, like all of that, all of that stuff, all of those reasons why people don't want to go to a meeting. I mean, for myself, it was right off the bat. I didn't want to see anybody. I knew that was number one. I was really embarrassed and yeah.
0: What well, you just said though, I, that's kind of why I started the podcast. Cause I two two months mm-hmm. after I got sober, I was like dodging trees. Like I was embarrassed. I didn't want people to see me in there. And that was like a light bulb moment. I was like, holy shit. This stigma is just as dangerous. Is it's huge. itself. It's and, huge. And that needs yeah, to change. And,
1: well, and that was part of the reason I was pretty open to going to the meeting out of town just to check it out for the first time. And then once I got home, I gave it a couple of days and I thought, you know, my girlfriend, the one who brought me into all of this is an addictions counselor. <laughs> she goes to these meetings. If she can do this, why can't I do this? This is ridiculous. You're going. And I just picked it up and I was like, get on this. Like, you, what are you going to do? It was just a crossroads, right? Suck it up. Do it. And just thinking about some of the things that this counselor said, like, he he really was awesome at helping me to understand the disease behind it and saying, like, this is a brain disorder. And, I mean, that look of compassion when, when, he, when he said, like, holy poor thing was because he felt that compassion of me struggling against a brain disorder. And it was just such a, like, holy man. Like, that, understanding that was the number one thing I needed in order to not be embarrassed and to admit. I mean, step one, right? Like, I'm powerless, and now I'm okay to admit that. And it didn't take long after I learned that this is a disease and that this isn't a character defect. This isn't something that I did. Do you know what I mean?
0: You know, like, abso- absolutely, because when you reach that that moment, and it's not so much like passing the buck and not taking responsibility, what that shift in thinking does, it allows you to have compassion for yourself. You can say, wait a second, Yeah, maybe it wasn't all my fault. Maybe I'm not such an idiot and I, I need help. And It's cool to see that when people reach those milestones, that's when they do get the help and they start getting, getting sober. Is that something similar that you, that you experienced?
1: That's exactly what happened. Like that's, that's, I mean, even sitting in the first couple of meetings, I had a really hard time saying, my name is Jamie. I'm an alcoholic because of that stigma. And because of, you know, I'm, you know, I listen to you when you talk about, uh, who is it? Your aunt, your aunt who's an alcoholic. And then that's it. She doesn't like, you know, whereas it's like, Oh, she likes to sew, she likes to blah, blah, blah. It's just this, she's an alcoholic and people got this picture in their head and I didn't want to be that picture. But the more and more I'm learning about this disease and the more I learn about the people in the rooms, I mean, oh my God, part of going, part of not going, I should say, is that I didn't want to be associated with, you know, air quote, these people. (laughs) right? Like sure. there's really these people. Gotcha. But yeah. I mean, holy in the last three months, there are the only people I want to be around. <laughs> yeah. I
0: was confused for a second. I want to clarify. I don't have an aunt who, who's an alcoholic, but I, I know I, what you, which, was I, I was confused. That. No, yeah. I know what you said is, is it, 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 the word alcoholic ends a statement. It's my neighbor, Rick's an alcoholic period. It's not my neighbor. Rick yes. is an alcoholic and he loves to fly fish and he's a great basketball player. And I get it. I've broken up with the word officially on this podcast hundreds of times with the word alcoholic. Yeah. I like the term alcohol use disorder. I have enhanced dopamine receptors. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. And once we reach that form of acceptance, I'm an alcoholic. I got EDR. I'm, I'm a guy who just doesn't do well with booze. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I'm ready to move forward. It still doesn't define me. I still like right. you know, people ask me, like, are you the recovery podcast guy? I'm like, kind of. But that's not who I am like it doesn't define me. Right. It's, it's what it's what I want to do for the rest of my life is is you stay sober and help people in their recovery, but it's not it doesn't it doesn't define me. It doesn't. And so I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, so like how did you do it? Did you encounter any pitfalls in the first week, 15 days, first month, cravings? Talk to us more about that.
1: Well, I mean, I was I was pretty I was pretty ready. <laughs> I mean, the amount of people that I've hurt just just from being so selfish, right? Like uh, when I when I got to the, to the meeting here, and I, I can't explain it, like, there, there's, there's a feeling that you get as a newcomer, and it's either a feeling of, yuck, get off of me, like, this is weird, like, why is everybody so nice to me, <laughs> right? It's like, oh, my God, if people care, ew. Well, there's <laughs> kind a, there's of a camaraderie
0: of sobriety that you can't experience until you go.
1: yeah. Yeah, and it was like these people are happy and this is weird and they care about me and like they don't even know me and why are they being so, I don't know. It was just, it was so comforting but at the same time it was really odd and all I knew was that um, this is new, I'm new and I don't know anything about this and I want to because these people have what I want. Mm. I mean, that that's all it came down to. I I mean, I haven't there's been a couple of times like where I've been out and in, in familiar places and I've noticed how different it is now that I'm not drinking, but I haven't been to a point where like, I want a drink. I I'm not craving it. I'm, I just don't, I'm so done hurting people and I don't want to be the source. I want to be an enhancement to people's lives. I don't want to be like that person who does, I, you know, I, I just want to be good to myself finally. Like it's,
0: um, been years I'm since like remember I'm glad you said that because you said I'm done hurting other people, but it sounds like you're done hurting yourself,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean you know you you this whole thing and it, it of course, there's lots that it stems down to, but like since the whole accident and stuff my I lived my purpose was to be there for my children and to take care of my children, but when my children were gone, it was to seek and destroy myself get out of myself and my feelings and taking care of myself it's all about everybody else and you know what hit me really hard last year was my son graduating and it hit me that like oh my god my job with these kids I'm almost done like I've got one graduating this year and and I freaked right out and it was like oh my god it's only gonna be me oh my god like I can't take care of myself I destroy myself my I'm out to kill myself
0: Whoa, you almost saw my own
1: devices.
0: Yeah, you almost saw a perpetual state of go time right around the corner and you kinda knew it was coming down the pipeline.
1: Paul, I knew that if I didn't deal with this, I would be dead within five years.
0: I guarantee
1: you I would have killed myself just just through the anxiety and the shit that I do. Yeah, I I knew it.
0: You knew the gig was up and and you have ninety three days. This is it's incredible. Nice job, Jamie. Walk us through a day, or you know, what's working for you? How are you staying sober? Mm,
1: well, um, this podcast is. Oh my gosh, like I, it's amazing. I don't know how I found it. <laughs> I just did. I I just did, and I'm so thankful that I did. I mean, I listened to and the people that you interview every day while I'm, like, getting ready and for the day, like, putting makeup on and hair and all of that stuff, getting ready, and, and it's just a really nice start to the day and helps put my brain in the right place. Things are a little bit different right now. I've been given the gift of the holidays, right? Like, I it's this is the first summer I've – I don't remember being sober for this long, um, especially in the hot summers that we have, but, I, you know, I'm going to work – next week. But this time I'm not looking forward to it because it's work, right? <laughs> but I am looking forward to it just because I spent so much time in, in I, I've been given such a gift to be able to focus on myself and my recovery in the last six weeks that, you know, this change is, is kind of um, shaking me up a little bit, I guess, is, is the, the right term. But I've established the community that I'm in. And I've gotten, I can't even tell you how many phone numbers I've gotten, how many people I've met and how much support I have. And uh, the accountability, all of my friends know what I'm doing. (laughs) Everybody knows what I'm doing. And there's a couple people that I work with that know what I'm doing. Uh, I mean, I can't hide. I can't, it's not like I can go grab a bottle and come home. Yeah. Like, you know what? I had a cigarette last week and I was like, oh my God, I had a cigarette. And I knew I had to tell everybody, like I have to tell people. If like I can't, (laughs) you can't do this alone.
0: No, Jamie, there's a lot of ways to describe it, but it sounds like you're burning the ships. You've created a ton of accountability. You're completely embracing community versus both the twelve steps in person. You've come out publicly, both with your friends, but also at work. Like this is solid recovery progress. I'm. You should be proud. You're rocking it. Nice job.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've got a really wicked sponsor too, and. The deal with the with the sponsor, I mean, I knew right off the bat I didn't need anybody to coddle me. Like, you know, within those your communities of people and friends, they're gonna tell you the things you wanna hear, right? They they care about you, they love you and they're gonna oh it's okay and oh you'll do better next time. Oh everybody drinks, oh right. But my sponsor is like, uh uh-uh. uh <laughs> He doesn't get let me get away with nothing. Nothing. So and I needed that and I can call him when I mean Anytime I'm faced with a decision, I don't know, like left to my own will, it's, it's not going to be a good decision. I use him. I text him or I speak with him. Oh, my God. All the time. All the time. And I just recently got myself a little sponsee as well. So, yeah. <laughs> Again, you're people. really embracing oh this
0: recovery thing. Nice job.
1: That's because I didn't give myself a choice. I, I, made, I, I gave it all away. I gave it to my sponsor. I gave it to my higher power. I gave it to anybody else but me. And it's been working wonders.
0: I love it. And Jamie, we have reached the rapid fire round. If you could answer these questions within 30 to 60 seconds, that would be great. Are you ready? Yeah. Jamie, worst memory from drinking.
1: I'm going to say that gut-wrenching, familiar anxiety crawl out of my skin feeling each morning after or in the middle of the night waking up going to bed really early thinking, oh, I got to work tomorrow. I'll just drink until six and I'll get a really good night's sleep till five. But really waking up at 1130 in sheer panic and terror that just that, yeah, where you just want to pull out your brain and scrub it. (laughs) Right. And just wanting to crawl out of your skin. I mean, there's many times Right or double fisting cheesecake with your bare hands in the middle of the kitchen floor—like those stupid things that you do to set yourself back on your goals. Yeah, I mean, there's there's many of those,
0: and yeah, like doing that,
1: setting yourself back every weekend.
0: Yeah, I try to limit you the bombs that I drop on this podcast, but anxiety is the fucking worst. <laughs> and we've all heard of the aha moment. When was your oh shit moment indicating that you can't control your drinking?
1: It was when my friend asked me it was (laughs) it was after the May 12th and Mother's Day is like my thing Mother's Day I love Mother's Day more than my birthday it is my day and my kids know it and we had awesome plans and the morning that I woke up from that night was Mother's Day and I was still drunk and it was noon and we had plans we had bike rides we had dinner we had all this Mother's Day stuff and no, I needed to have a case of beer because I, was, I couldn't look at myself in the face. And after a couple of days when I was finally able to face my friend who, like, fortunately was, was great enough to give me that gift of forgiveness and actually speak to me after, said to me, you know, I don't understand how one drink can turn to four o'clock in the morning. <sighs> awesome. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, ooh. And
0: there you go. And Jamie... Yeah. You got 93 days. How are you getting 94, 95? What's your plan moving forward?
1: I think my number one plan, I mean, is definitely to, I got to be kind to myself and just remember how far I've gone for sure and just to stay connected. I've just developed a relationship with my higher power and remembering that it's there and it's there for me. And, you know, you don't have to make self like sorry, split second decisions. You don't always have to get what you want. You don't always have to give in to instant gratification just to breathe, to stop, to pause, to ask for help. And I mean to work my program holy. That AA has been been a savior. And listening to this podcast, I mean just using all of the tools, keeping accountable and being of service to people.
0: And Jamie, in regards to sobriety, what's the best advice you've ever received?
1: that it isn't a moral defect that I have this disease is not my fault that like that's that's a huge one and to get myself out of my head I, I will get that chitter chatter and it'll just keep going and and you know I've named my disease as well so thank you for that Paul because that has been huge as well right so mine mine, mine is named Robin It's actually the uh, alias that I used to give to the cops when I would get busted for liquor tickets when I was (laughs) (laughs) seventeen. Yeah, and so like just recognizing that, and to you know eat the eat the fucking ice cream. It's okay. (laughs) Totally fine. (laughs) It's okay.
0: Yeah. Give
1: yourself a break once in a while.
0: And what parting piece of guidance can you give the listeners who are thinking about getting sober or already doing it?
1: That sober is awesome. I really didn't think it would be, but it is so awesome and that you're not missing out on anything. You're just gaining so much. I I just went on a vacation. I just got back last week from Maui and I didn't drink and it was the best vacation I have ever had. I think, you know, just getting a sponsor and getting a community and telling people the accountability for me has been number one.
0: And, Jamie, before we depart, give listeners your own customized, you might be an alcohol gift line.
1: Oh, uh, well, I gave you a couple, didn't I? We had some good ones earlier, <laughs> give but I'm a couple excited. So Keep coming. Um, well, last, <laughs> last summer, I made up a pretty good drinking game, and I walk my dog quite a lot. And so eventually, I was like, I'm just going to bring a six pack on the walk, and every time he has to pee, I'm going to take a drink. So
0: this is a solo uh, drinking game. Okay, sure. Oh,
1: well, you might be an alcoholic if you make up drinking games with your dog.
0: That's fantastic. (laughs) I love it. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us on the recovery elevator podcast. Congratulations on 93 days.
1: Thank you so much, Paul. I appreciate it.
0: It has been a rough year for celebrities and deaths due to alcohol. Well, in fact, I think each year is a rough year. But I want to talk about Cranberries singer Dolores Oriordan, who accidentally drowned in the bath after a night of heavy drinking alone in her hotel room. The 46-year-old mother of three from Kilmallock County, Limerick, who had battled alcoholism, had drunk spirits and champagne, and was four times over the legal drinking limit when she died. Dolores, our hearts are with you right now and forever. Thank you for your art. Guys, thanks for listening. As always, it's great to be back behind the microphone. I did take last weekend off. Got a head cold in the summer. I don't know if you can hear my voice; it is a little off. Uh, but yeah, it's good to be back behind the microphone. And we took the elevator down. We gotta take the stairs back up. We can do this.